Hey, I'm Karen Cubides, a music-obsessed entrepreneur and educator who calls Music City home. My career started in Boston, where I found my real passion, working behind the scenes in the music industry. I've had the honor of working with elite performers and educators. Consider this your go-to guide for all things healthy, wealthy, and wise. So, get comfy, because we're about to uncover some surefire ways to transform not only your career, but also your life. This is the Musician's Guide Podcast. Hey friends, it's Karen. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, Today is going to be a solo episode and I haven't decided if I'm going to make this a two or three parter, um, but essentially we are in the season of festivals and workshops and seminars and online courses and that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the common questions that I get slash things that I see on social, um, is just a lack of understanding on how to effectively market a workshop, an event, a festival, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I really wanted to unpack that here for us on the podcast, um, especially because as a result of the pandemic, we're just seeing so many more opportunities to connect as a community. So many more awesome seminars and workshops and things are just being created as we speak. And I think that the marketing part, just like most parts of any creatives project, is the one where we tend to run out of steam or out of gas. So I just wanted to share some some tips. I want to go through some common myths that I've experienced with my clients and um, that also I was able to debunk myself um, in the last 10 years of just event management, running nonprofits, running my own organizations. Um, and like I always say, question the source. Um, these are all just my, my opinions and my experience. Um, I also do have empirical data to back up a lot of these claims. Um, but as always, there's not a one size fits all and we all feel comfortable doing things in different ways. Um, I do want to share a little bit of science. Um, I do talk a lot about the psychology of social media um, and the importance of repetition and recall um, as it, you know, uh, like uh, as it pertains to marketing and to uh, really having someone remember and understand um, what you're essentially marketing. Um, I'm having a mega brain fart. Sorry, everyone. Okay. So let's start with um, the five common ways um, or recommended ways to market a festival, workshop, or event. The first one is email marketing. And this is like one of those, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Um, I believe, and I've said this before on the podcast, that social media platforms are borrowed land. Um, They could go away at any moment. Um, the likelihood of that in the current ones like, you know, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok, you know, it's not really high at the moment, but that's always a possibility. Um, there's also constant changes, upgrades, policies to social networks um, as a result of the metaverse that um, folks are also commonly losing accounts, are getting locked out. You know, new protocols and things are in place where sometimes people just entirely lose accounts. So to me, social media, even though I I do value it tremendously, and I think it's one of the most powerful tools that we have at our disposal, is not, you know, fail safe, essentially. And and it is borrowed land. It is just as important as all these other ones that I'm going to talk about, but it's not the end all be all, which I know feels sacrilegious. So email marketing is what we do to cultivate our community. 
Um, and something that I do really well that I want to share with all of you is target market, just really understanding and knowing who you are talking to. And I think that as new businesses and new organizations are emerging in the last few years, it's really hard to serve everyone. It's really hard to be for everyone. In fact, none of us are for everybody. And that has nothing to do with your skill set, has nothing to do with what you're offering. It's just simply that uh, there's more... I don't know, all of our personalities, there's a variety, there's just, you know, you're a better fit for certain things and vice versa. So email marketing gives you an opportunity to go directly to the inbox of the communities, the the market that you are trying to serve. So, you know, taking some time throughout the year to cultivate an email list of people that are interested in what you have to offer or when you plan to launch something. And that is done through adding value. Um, from a legal standpoint, you can't just compile a list of emails and put it on a MailChimp or a Constant Contact. People need to, you know, willingly give, give you their email information. So a great way to do that is to have a blog, is to have some kind of reason for people to come to your website and to be able to enjoy something for free or have value added for free um, where they will in return give you their email for that. So email marketing is the number one most effective way to reach the masses. Secondly, it's social media. And and this one gets a little tricky because a lot of folks believe, and here's where um, I'll throw in my first myth, that people don't know their schedules in advance too much. So I need to essentially launch or announce my festival, my workshop closer to the date so that people can really come. And while I understand that, on principle, um, you know, it might be difficult for a younger student to know what is happening in, you know, June if you're launching something in January. Like, I, I totally understand um, that depending your target market, you might have to realize and, and think through when is the best time to launch something. And that goes back to point number one in the email marketing about knowing your target market and knowing who you're talking to. If you have a course that is geared towards high schoolers, that or a workshop or a seminar, that's going to be a different strategy than college folks, than professors and educators, than administrators. So it's just really having clarity on who you're talking to. Personally, in my experience, the more time we can give people to think about something, the more time we can give them to see something over and over and over, the more likely they are to either come participate in what we're offering or recommend friends and family, their circle of influence um, to whatever it is that you are offering. So it is important to market this on social media. It is important to market it consistently. Very similar to how we've talked about with albums and things just taking a lot longer, more like six to eight months. I highly encourage anybody, especially if you are running a festival, an international festival, that your marketing is at least 10 months out of the year. Um, the next um, way to market is personal outreach. And this then becomes your, I like to create a list of, of three different categories of, of people when I'm going to do a, an email blast or, or reach out to them personally. I have my, you know, friends and family that, you know, would support me. I would be able to freely be like, hey, I'm putting on this event. Are you interested? Do you know of anybody that would be interested? I need to get 10 seats or, you know, whatever, 10 people to sign up for this. So that's my first category. And I like making lists. And this is where I put my agent hat on because 
correspondence is so emotional. Communication is so emotional for us, especially when you are quote unquote selling something or asking something of somebody else. There's just so much insecurity around it. And I think it's really important to just have the list so that there's no time for you to get discouraged or feel embarrassed or awkward. You just have your lists ready to go and you're just going down your list basically. So my first column is friends and family, people that will say yes or that actively want to support me and I feel comfortable with. And the reason I reach out to them first is because I need to build confidence and I need to get comfortable, iron any kinks. Um, This demographic is usually the one that says like, ooh, love your website, but hey, did you know this button was broken? Or like, ooh, I love this. Um, Have you considered a payment plan? Or hey, where can I share this link? Like, what do you want me to share? Like that, that network of folks is the one that's going to give you that feedback. The next level of my database that I make is my my medium leads is what I call them. And these are the folks that I have either acquaintances with, there's a degree of separation, um, but there's some history there. Um, these are the folks that, you know, might not be as chummy or as quick to respond as your first group of folks, but you just never know. So you need to ask. Um, for statistically speaking, you can never get to a hundred consecutive no's. And for me, reaching out to people, sales, all of it is not about the sale itself or, or getting someone to agree to do whatever you want them to do. It's more about, can I get a yes or a no? When somebody says maybe, that's not helpful. Um, I need to know yes or no. Not in this moment, not after my first email, not in a hostile way. But, you know, when people string you along or when your correspondence is unclear and people don't know what to do with that information, then you get maybes and maybes are not a strategy. So that's the next thing Um, in that personal reach, having that second category of folks that you just also go down your list and email. And then the last is your your aspirational list of folks. These, These are the folks that you either have a degree of separation, would like to get to know, don't know at all, or are just completely cold. Um, this could mean that, you know, you're running a festival in their area. Um, you so happen to, you know, be nearby and you want to make sure that they know that it's happening so that they can get involved, but they might not really know you. So these are our three levels of people. So in our personal outreach, um, we want to create clarity in our emails. And just like I've talked about here, when you're booking work or, you know, as an agent, A lot of folks, when you're doing a cold lead, you feel the need. What I mean by a cold lead is someone you don't know. We tend to feel the need to over-explain ourselves. Like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Love what you're doing. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Check out my video. Check out my website. Look at all this stuff. And also, by the way, could you consider bringing me to your school? And then you kind of almost like whisper that part from your email. And it's like these folks that we're reaching out to in a cold lead capacity are busy, probably get hundreds of emails a day, don't really know us. So I always encourage just having more direct communication and less stuff in the body of the email. Um, Personally, I get about 100 emails a day and I always get to my correspondence that is a lot easier to read through first. So something that I can skim, respond, put in in a folder, delegate, whatever, um, is the one that is shortest typically. That doesn't mean that you're curt or not personable. Um, I always like to recommend having an email like dear blank, 
uh, love checking out your video on social or love what you're doing with your program or, you know, insert something personal slash global that we might know of this person. Congratulations on just getting tenure, you know, whatever. Uh, my name is Karen um, and I've been giving a talk on marketing and branding and I was wondering if I could potentially come to your school. That would be like if you're asking for like a gig or something. If we're trying to promote an event or a festival, it would start very similar, but um more direct. So I'm going to say it, say that one. So, you know, dear person, um, my name is Karen and I've heard so much about you from my friend, Monica. Um, I wanted to reach out because I am running a body, mind, spirit workshop where we go over this, 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 and this. And I feel like it would be uh, really valuable for your students. Um, if, is it something that, you know, would interest you or any of your students? Here's our website. Let us know. Very simple. That was maybe a couple sentences. And um, that's going to give this person the information. There's a website link. There's a piece of, of information. It's not overwhelming. It's not my CV. It's not my resume. They don't need to know that I've spoken at all the major conservatories. They don't need to know that I've run this you know, seminar for five years. Like They don't need to know anything. Um, they just need to know what they need to know in order to give me the answer that I need, which is a yes or a no. Um, and if it's typically a no, it's never because your product sucks or because you're terrible. It's very much that it's not the right time. It's not for them. They're, they can't afford it. Like there's just so many other variables. And that's where that communication and the professionalism there uh, will allow you to ask them like, not a problem. I'll keep you in mind for the future. Is there anybody you know that would benefit from this? And that's just such a helpful question because you know, all of us don't typically Google everything, um, especially if we look at it from the lens of the Enneagram. Like there's a lot of referral based, I don't know, connections and communication that happens. Um, and this doesn't mean that, you know, marketing or any of this is not important. It just simply means that you never know who somebody else can connect you with and and why the stars have aligned. And maybe it's a little woo woo, but just really thinking through who am I talking to? Who is this for? And just continuing to remind yourself of the clarity of like, who am I serving with this event, with this festival, with the seminar, and how can I get in touch with them? So um, I'm going to go into my second myth. So the first myth is people don't know their schedules and I need to you know post about it only close to the event. So that is false. Dwight Trude energy here. The second myth is I don't want to bother people or post the same thing over and over. And I have some thoughts on that comment because that's also really common. Um, first of all, we're assuming that the algorithm is showing everybody everything that we do. And I can tell you right now that it's not true. Um, I have a pretty extensive client base. And when I hop on Instagram, I don't see everybody's posts all of the time. And vice versa. I have clients that aren't liking my posts and they're not liking them, not because they don't like me or my content, but because they're not seeing it. So that assumption that if you post more than once or twice about something that people are just going to get sick and tired of it, um, that's not accurate. People aren't seeing all of our content all of the time. And here's where I'm going to introduce this new concept. Um, well, it's not going to be new to the podcast, but it might be new if you're new here, but it's called repetition and recall. And this is the foundation of the psychology of social media, where we essentially need to recognize where something is coming from. This is an unconscious moment, and we need to recall who the information is from. So a good example of this is my dogs, for example. Um, most people cannot relate to who I am, what I do. Um, it's sometimes confusing, et cetera, et cetera. But a hundred percent of people, well, I said 99% of people can relate to cute dogs, can relate to 
animals and rescues and, you know, insert anything related to my dogs, um, having oil paintings of themselves, being in family photos, you know, just any element of what I'm sharing. So you can recognize these dogs and you can see them. You can maybe think of me. You can think of Oreos. You can think of ridiculousness. You can think of anything when it comes to these dogs. And that's recognition. Recall is recalling that not only those dogs are perfect and adorable, they're also named Aldo and Reina, and they happen to be Karen's dogs. So that is recall. So I want people to recognize the dogs, recognize the work, and recall that it comes from me. And um, I guess like a business example of that... Um, would be videos. Um, obviously, we did not invent videos. Obviously, they've existed. And I don't know how to operate a camera, but I do know how to creative direct. And I spent the last seven years trying to develop a, a style of a video that has been adopted and has been super helpful for getting us to you know, consider recording things like standard repertoire for individual instruments, um, giving us an opportunity to get musicians in front of the camera speaking about what they're doing, giving pedagogical insight, um, just feeling more comfortable getting their faces on you know, video sharing things that maybe aren't fully related with their instrument. So that's something that um, we are kind of known for. And, and there's a, a style of photo, a style of video um, that comes out of that type of direction. Um, the same thing goes when, if you think of like hiring a photographer or a videographer, you're of course hiring them for their skills and expertise, but you're also hiring them for what things look like. Um, so that's where the recognition and recall is important because we want people to know that it's you, what your stuff looks like, um, and not so much like as far as values of like who you are, but um, to find a way to think about you outside of constant contact in socials, in real life or whatever, like we're creating impressions. And this is why social media is so important because it is you know, nine squares on Instagram that is a visual CV of what you do, what your values are, what your interests are. So it's really important to post many, many times about the thing that you're talking about or that you want us to do or participate in, et cetera, et cetera. So another marketing element that will help with that is advertisements. That could look like, you know, playing around with some ads on Instagram, on Facebook, targeting certain locations. It could look like, um, you know, ads on radio shows, podcasts. Um, there's tons of websites that, you know, you can buy physical ad space. Um, lots of orchestras and chamber groups have programs for their seasons where they're usually looking for ad sponsorship. Um, that's another way to promote anything, essentially. Ads are not just on social media and they they're actually a way to gauge your investment. Um, so for example, something like working with a PR person, working with an agent, there's no guarantees in that line of work. There are guarantees in advertisement because you have numbers and you have more statistic opportunities. Um, and then the last element as far as, you know, what to do, how to market a festival workshop or event is really hone in on your community. Like, anything I've ever done has been community driven. And I go back to the notion of how easy, we, how easily it is for all of us to be like, I'm self-made or I did this alone or look at me, I've overcome all of the stuff. And it's like, yes, absolutely. Um, but I can tell you as an immigrant that 
you are not self-made. You are community made. Your community lifts you up and empowers you and teaches you and joins you in whatever quest you're on. And and your success and the success of your event is, in my opinion, almost mostly related to your community. And that impact you have and the influence you have and the ability to take care of your community and and fill the needs that are out there. It's not about creating another summer camp. It's not about rinse and repeating another international festival. Um, it's about figuring out what are the needs of your community? How are you serving them? And, and how can, you know, the work that you do not only be diverse, not only be inclusive, but also be equitable. And that's where reaching out to the community, having clarity on who you're serving is incredibly paramount. And then I'm going to bust out the third myth. So first myth, just a reminder here, um, that people don't know their schedules in advance. So you need to promote something closer to the event. Not accurate. Myth number two, I don't want to bother people. I don't want people to think that I have nothing else to post and I'm just going to post the same thing over and over. Not true. People do not see all of your posts and we need to remind people of what we're doing, why we're doing it, who it's for, and take advantage of the psychology of social media, which is repetition and recall. And then the final myth here is that if the lineup, if the, I don't know, headliner, if the master teacher, if whoever is good enough, people will come. People will just know about it. So if my event is stacked with all the best people in the world, that people will just know about my event because these people are famous and they're amazing. And while, yeah, these people are amazing and maybe famous, that guarantees absolutely nothing. So if you have amazing headlining musicians, that's never going to guarantee attendance. It absolutely helps to have, you know, someone who's well known to have a draw. Absolutely. But it's not just about who you're bringing in. You as the director, as the leader of this you know, festival, seminar, workshop, whatever, need to make sure that your target market, that your community, that the people of the universe know that your event is happening. And it happens to be a cherry on top that so-and-so is coming to be a headliner. It happens to be that, I don't know, it's a group of fancy famous people. Great. Um, But I will say, you know, looking back at, for example, the Southern Miss Tremonde, where we had, you know, what, over 150 participants, um, and it was stacked. Uh, we had Joe um, Alessi, we had Jeremy Wilson, Nick Lawfer, Ben. There was a solo with the orchestra. Like there was a whole vibe, but people could still not know that these folks were coming if the marketing is not there. And I'll record another episode with sharing just more examples of what marketing could look like. Um, but just to recap these um, email marketing, number one. Social media is borrowed land. So email, email, email. It's never too early to start building your email list. That'll be another episode for another day. Social media is another way to market. Personal outreach is considered marketing, where you can reach out to people and talk to them directly and know what you're talking about. The next is advertisements on social media, on radio, in print, programs, the whole nine, and your community. You market your festival by knowing exactly who you're talking to, being in touch with your community, and making it easy for people to find what it is that you're, you know, selling, doing, creating, um, and to make sure that what we're doing is equitable. So this is a good starting point with 
my thoughts on how to market a festival. Um, I will come back with a part two and give slightly more specifics. Um, I, I'm torn with the idea of, you know, sharing like this works, this doesn't, um, because I don't want to, you know, make any festival organization feel bad, but I'm going to try and find a way to give you some real life examples. Um, not to toot my own horn, but when I was running the social media for the International Trombone Festival, um, our following grew by five or 6,000 and it had nothing to do with the degree of the quality of the work, but that there was a hungry community of people that just wanted to know more about the organization, that wanted to feel connected, that wanted to know about the festival and all the awesomeness that it has. And we often bury the lead as musicians. It's not, or creatives, anything. It's not super clear what the heck it is that we're doing. And we get so in our heads about, you know, is it good enough? Am I good enough? And it's like, it's not about you. You're the vessel and you must market so that we know that this is a thing. And most people are planners. Um, You know, it's not like any of us as, as musicians, you know, just decide last minute to apply to Aspen or Brevard or, you know, freaking Tanglewood. Like this is a very thought out moment. Um, so especially if you're an international festival, if you're, you know, a seminar or workshop that happens routinely at a certain time of year, you have to market. <laughs> and and reputation will only take you so far. There There has to be that community aspect built in that process so that folks know what's happening. So anyway, hope this was helpful. As always, let us know if you have any questions um, and stay tuned for more stuff this month. 